Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to Ayers on the Road again, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for joining us. We are into a little mini-series on Ayers on the Road focused on the simple little three-letter word joy, J-O-Y, and it's a good time to be thinking about joy because it's springtime. It's the month of Linda's birthday. It's the beautiful <laughs> the sky where we're in Park City today and it's, it, we call it the mud month up here because the snow is disappearing little by little and the grass is not green yet but despite it being the mud month it's gorgeous. Well and we also just celebrated Easter across the whole world and it's been so wonderful uh, to be with some family members again after COVID everybody's getting inoculated it's so wonderful to feel a little more freedom I don't know where you are at this point but we hope that you either either have gotten your vaccines or you're on your way to getting free and it's a re it's a perfect timing isn't it spring is a re-emergence and we're kind of re-emerging from the morass of COVID and here we are so as you know, those of you that listened last week, we just joy has always been kind of the key word in our lives, and we've we've come to think that it means something much, much deeper than happiness. We quoted um, the little anonymous verse last week. It's probably worth repeating as we lead into this today that uh, happiness is the thing of here and now, the bright leaf in the hand, the moment sun, the fight accomplished, or the summit won. When things go well, happiness may start, but joy is a secret smiling of the heart. I left out one little thing to shorten that. I did that on okay, purpose. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so joy, joy, this little word that has such a big meaning. Yeah, just J-O-Y. Um, gosh, you know, it's so easy to get kind of down in the dumps, um, especially during this COVID, and to just feel like this is never going to end and so on and yet we've all had moments of great joy during this pandemic and we have learned so much um, as we have been in this linear space the, the space between where we were and where we are now yeah exactly and you know there's there's this wonderful saying that opposition is necessary in all things and that's kind of how it is with joy if you're if your life was just a constant pleasant little undefined unchallenged kind of a float there wouldn't be joy it, it, it's the opposition that comes so emerging from the opposition of covid is a really powerful time for joy and and you know what we're going to we're going to focus on a little different aspect of joy each week over the next few weeks on the show and the one we're talking about today may be the most obvious and in in a way wonderful and but also mixed because it's hard but it's also beautiful and that's the joy of children i mean all we have to do linda to find joy now is wake up in the morning and um you know we try to have a little prayer before we go to our screens our big and small screens but the minute we open up a computer or look at instagram or look at our marco polos we're greeted by joy because there's the kids, there's the grandkids, especially 
the two little twins in London. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're just we better laughing. send a picture for the... Um, I wish we had a picture. Well, we'll put a picture on the, <laughs> the thing that we send in every week uh, to connect to the show because you've got to see these guys. They are so adorable. I shouldn't say guys because one of them's a girl. <laughs> and she is the cutest little joyful girl with big round olive eyes. It is so cute. And then we have a cute little guy named August who I call my little man because he has wrinkles on his little forehead and he's skinnier than Eve and um, she and, he and is, Evie they are so adorable <laughs> kicking their legs they are eight months old oh my goodness they're not eight months old yeah they are no way they, they were are. born in they were born in no they were born in October in November. October November December January February March April six months oh, six months old. they're yeah. six months old Boy, they bring a lot of joy, though, don't they? <coughs> the minute you see their faces. And a lot of you don't have to go to the computer or the phone. You can just wake up, and maybe it's your kids who are waking you up. <laughs> maybe they're jumping on your bed, and you can look at their little and happy maybe faces. Maybe you've been up all night with somebody with a sore throat or throwing up, and you're not feeling a whole lot of joy. There's some of each of that. Well, that, that leads right to, you know, we have these things with our grandkids that we call uh, grandfather's secrets. It's sort of my little territory because Grammy here has Grammy camps and all kinds of great things. But I have these little grandfather's secrets. And one of them, one of the early ones, one of the first ones is about joy. Joy is the purpose of life and the choice we make. We make that choice every day. <coughs> we do make that choice every day. And um, this morning I woke up a little bit grumpy because I've been looking for something, somebody's contact information for a long time and I can't find it. And you just get so, so frustrated because it is so difficult, but actually it's so much easier than... That can drive you nuts going on the online and trying to get someone's contact information and they want you to sign up and get their prison records and everything else. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking of that in the context of, you know, here we sit as grandparents. It's nice and quiet in our home. We can do a radio broadcast or a podcast. No one bothers us. We can look online and see pictures of our little kids to give exactly, us joy. Exactly. Those of you who are in the trenches with your kids every day, just, you know, struggling to keep up with everything and to be sure everything's okay, you are the ones that have to make that choice when that little kid comes in and jumps on you and wakes you up before you want to get up or in the middle of the night or whatever. You have to make that choice to... to is that going to be a joy moment for you as you look into those little faces or as you help them get over their bad dream or whatever it is? Or is it going to be a time of frustration and, oh, man, I wish this was over? That's the thing we so often do with kids, Linda, don't you think? I mean, we're always looking backward or looking forward. Oh, wasn't it great back in back when the kids were in our house? And won't it, won't it be great when the kids leave? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it great when that little kid, you know, uh, couldn't walk and I didn't have to chase him around? But back then we were saying, wouldn't it be great when this kid can walk and I have to carry him all the time? It's like we get in this, it's a problem to live in the past it is. or in the future. 
Um, joy is in the present. Joy is in the present, and you have to grasp it while you're there. And there are good things about both of those things. There are good things about, joyful things about having your kids home. And there are joyful things about having them gone. I mean, they really are. And so you have to remember to grasp the joy that you can suck out of every single day. Because there's a lot, no matter what you're doing. So just think about joy as it connects to children. Now, some of you may not have children. And a lot of you don't. And... and does that eliminate you from the joy of children? I should say not. You know, one of the things that <laughs> that we used to love to do is just walk through a mall and watch children. <laughs> it was it was easy for us to have joy as we watched parents struggling with the children that we didn't have to take care of right <laughs> at that moment. But children are by nature full of joy and they're full of spontaneous delight and if we can be the kind of parents or the kind of people who accept that joy of the moment and don't try to alter it all the time i always think of the the old story that i've told probably a thousand times right linda about one day when i was just walking down to, to where my car was and there was a it was this time of year springtime and there was a, a dad walking along with a little kid, and the little kid saw a puddle. And what does any little kid do when they see a puddle? Oh, they went right over and jump in. <laughs> and he was just walking in that puddle. And his dad, uh, I thought, was going to do the typical thing and grab him and say, you're going to ruin your shoes or whatever. But it was, a, it was a Saturday morning, as I recall, and it was pretty warm. And this dad did an amazing thing. I've never forgot it. I don't know him, never met him, don't know what his name was, never seen him again. But he went over and patiently took that little boy and took his shoes off. And then he took his own shoes off and the dad and the little boy stomped around in the puddle. And I thought, <laughs> now that now that dad is either crazy <laughs> or he's a really good father. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to grasp those moments of joy sometimes. I mean, um, it can be a joyful moment just standing by somebody in a line, you know, waiting to check out for something or check into something and um, just striking up, striking up a conversation. My mom was so good at well, doing that. Well, you're good at that too. Honey. Oh, you she was really so good, good at doing that. that. She would be so ashamed of me if I ever sat by somebody on an airplane that I didn't get to know on the way. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But. Um, <laughs> She really found great joy in just making acquaintances with people that she didn't know um, or taking some food to people that needed it or uh, calling somebody that needed a little lift. It well, really does. You, it gives you joy to give people joy. And also. You've, you've acquired that and I think even magnified it from your mother. I love watching Linda when we're at a store or at a restaurant or just walking around somewhere and... and Linda never, if there's a family, if there's a child involved, Linda never lets them go by and she wants to... Oh, don't know, say never. No, you want no, to know how old the child is. Well. And, and it's not a fake thing. It's you feel a genuine joy of watching that little child. You well, know? yeah, I mean, if, if it, we have a moment to pause. It's a <laughs> Don't attack thing. everybody at the mall. Now, the question um, is, Linda, can we, I mean, is it a one-way street? That, that's the interesting question. Do we just get joy from children because of their innate curiosity and there uh, we could get into talking about another little joy giver right now our little etta who's 
about to turn three and who lives in Hawaii where we've been for the last month or so and uh, I mean the last couple of months in January and February and we miss that little thing so much and we get him on on FaceTime and and she says grandfather Grammy <laughs> she she is just a little source of such great joy but my question is is it a one-way street do we just get joy from children or can we be the teachers of various kinds of joy to them that they wouldn't naturally have? Can we, can, here's the, this is a big question. Can we use joy as a teaching method? We mentioned that a little bit last time on the show because we feel like if a child feels good about doing something, feels a little joy in it, a little good feeling about it, that's a teaching moment because then you can say, now see how that made you feel when we helped that person or see how that made you feel when you shared that toy with your sister? How did that make you feel? You felt good. You felt, and let the child revel in that feeling and then they will repeat it. They'll want to do it again. The best way to teach is through joy. Well, I, this is interesting because I have been online this morning and two different people have now reminded me that it is National Unicorn Day. Oh. And <laughs> her right. brother sent a picture of this wild unicorn. I have it on my phone too. I'm going to send it to some people. But, you know, just looking at that unicorn for a minute made me think, I should do something spontaneous today. <laughs> I should just do something mystical and magical. Um, to just let people know that I'm having a good time with life. And I think that's really important. Do you remember that? I would have never thought of this, Linda, but when we were dating, actually, um, I found somewhere a list of holidays. Do you know that every single day is a holiday oh, of some kind? Oh, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it would be National Buttermilk Appreciation Day or something. <laughs> you know. And so I would call you. Do you remember that? I'd call you and I'd say, Happy buttermilk appreciation day linda let's celebrate or happy unicorn day let's celebrate it would only occur to you to think about buttermilk but anyway all right we are going to take a little break here please hang on because we are going to make you joyful by the end of this uh little podcast we'll be right back after this brief pause Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about National Unicorn Day. <laughs> <laughs> we are so uh, excited about life today. We've made ourselves happier just talking about it. Today. Yeah, if you talk more about joy, you'll probably be happier. So, um, you know, again, now we don't want this to become some pie-in-the-sky little series on joy, joy, just be happy, force yourself. There's a lot of serious issues in the world, and you may, you may be facing some right now where joy is the furthest thing from, from your, your mind. mind yeah. But again, keep in mind this idea that joy is not some little happy thing. It's a deeper thing than that. Let me let me give you one more quote. Linda loves it when I quote things, right? Honey? Yeah, and because I, want you I don't to know. know how you've stuffed those all in your head and you can recall them back up at a moment's notice. Well, I can't do that. This is a quote from a, a fairly obscure novelist, although she wrote some beautiful things. Her name is interesting, Storm Jameson. Her first name is Storm. But here's something she said. 
happiness. It is an illusion to think that more comfort brings more. True happiness comes of the capacity to enjoy simple, to think freely, to feel deeply, to risk life, to be needed. I remember the very first time I found that quote and it just made me cry. I mean, there's something so deeply true about that. The only thing I think would improve the quote is if it, if it was talking about joy rather than happiness. She used the word happiness, but she meant what we're talking about is joy, a big thing which encompasses all these things. Because again, listen to it. Joy or happiness, as she was calling it, comes of the capacity. In other words, you develop these capacities to enjoy simple. Some people are so good at that, they get joy all the time from just enjoying simple things that you and I miss. The capacity to think freely, not to be bound up in ideologies or in some little narrow chain of thought, to think freely. The capacity to feel deeply, to really feel things, really feel them. And number four, to risk life. I always wonder, what does she mean to risk life? How, how does that give happiness? Well, that's the core of what we're talking about. The difficult things in life, to go through them, to have something that means more to you than your life itself, to have people you love more than your own life, to, to risk your life and give your time and your effort and so on for them. And then finally, to be needed. And, and some, some people have always say, well, I'm not needed. No one needs me. I could disappear and no one would know it. Look around. People need you all over the place. We need to find the people who need us. So again, joy is this, is this deep thing. And today we're focusing on the aspect of children and how they factor into joy. You know, even in a crisis, um, you can, there are things, there are joyful things that come out of it. Maybe not right at the moment, but... I was just thinking about the crisis yesterday in our family. Um, we have a darling boy who we're kind of shepherding because he's away from his parents. He's in a soccer. Um, not program. one of our children, but he's the, not one of our children, but of, almost one of our grandchildren. Oh, yeah, right. Um, so he's the son of Eva. Uh, Timothy, many of you may know or know of her, but anyway, they are in and. New England, and he is here in this soccer program, and he's been staying with our daughters over the Easter holiday, over the weekend and for the week. And he went out on a one wheel yesterday and fell and just just mangled his big toe. You don't know what a one wheel is. Imagine a skateboard, uh, but with one big wheel and a motor. <laughs> right. I wish we could ban those These things. These kids, honestly, and we the have scooters on the streets. Crazy about them, but. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So the daughter that she, our daughter who he, he was staying with, uh, who has a son who's age, um, ended up in Instacare all day. Went to one Instacare, the insurance didn't work. Went to another Instacare, was closed because they couldn't have staff. Went to another Instacare. Finally, they took the insurance. So they, you know, by then the scab had dried, <laughs> and the blood was drying, and everything. And you can't think of anything too um, joyful about that. But the joyful part is that that she was in touch with that mom who was so grateful, so grateful that she was there and that she was taking care of her son and she loved him almost as much yeah, as she yeah. did. Yeah, the joy of that gratitude, the and, joy uh, of that helping and serving. Yeah, there's always a, a happy uh, lining around some 
really sad, hard things. And that's certainly not the hardest thing. Um, some of you have loved ones in the hospital much, with COVID and harder, you know, things yeah. like that. But there is always something to be joyful about. I mentioned in the first half of the, the show today that, uh, you know, we should reciprocate the joy children give us by teaching them different kinds of joy. And I've been focused on something, Linda. I want to get your input on it today. But um, there's, and, and by the way, joy, many of you who know us know that joy school came out of all this thinking on joy. And the first book we ever wrote was on joy and so on. We'll get into some of that more next week on the show. But what I've been thinking about lately is this incredible thing that, um, that joy is, is something that can be taught and that can actually grow within us as we try to teach it to children. And one of the ways to teach joy and teach principles and teach things that we don't use nearly enough. I'm going to, I'm going to lead into this in a way that, that may surprise you, honey. Um, when we were first married off, we went to Boston and to Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I went and got my degree at the Harvard business school, my MBA. Now, many of you know this, but for those of you who don't MBA schools, it's all started with Harvard, but it's spread to virtually every MBA school I know. They teach by a method called the case study method. That is, they don't go in and say, here's this, you should do this, you should learn this, here's a list of facts, here's how you do finance, here's how you do marketing, here's how you do HR, and so on. They don't do that. The way the curriculum works is you have case studies. You put yourself in a situation. And the case study will say, you are the assistant marketing manager at XYZ company. You have this situation. You have this problem. You have these circumstances. What do you do about it? How do you solve this issue? How do you take advantage of this opportunity? So it's, it's, it's all, in a way, it's learning by imagination. It's putting yourself in a situation that you might find yourself in in the future and figuring out how to handle it, the case study method. It drives some people crazy. Some people are like, why don't you just tell me how to do this? Why do I have to think this through myself? Well, because it's a powerful, powerful way of learning. So case study method in business schools. But when we apply it in our families and to our children, it, we call it role-playing. And we don't use it near often enough. We we try to correct kids at the worst possible time, right when they're upset or when they're misbehaving. We try to figure out a way to discipline them. We try to figure out new forms of punishment that will correct them. We put them in time out. We do all these things to to try to correct their behavior. And we have to. I, that's what parenting is. But wouldn't it be better if we could create some role-playing situations for them where while things are calm, while we're maybe in a family home evening or with them, we're with them in our home or we're on an outing or we're somewhere where it's pleasant and the mood is right and we create a role-play and we teach them by them playing a role as though they were in a little play. And then when they come to that situation, they know what to do. Well, it really has been so helpful and you can't think of the situation that they're going to be in, but you can think of something similar. And it really is so helpful. We've done this in little family meetings and uh, give, give an example of what we've done. I mean, we've, 
it's different with little preschoolers than it is with teenagers, obviously. Mm -hmm. Teenagers really get it, but, but little preschoolers get it too. So, uh, example. I mean, we'll give an example of, you know, when kids are fighting. I mean, the biggest problem so many parents have is conflicts among their kids and arguing and bickering and sometimes hitting and so on. And that's kind of an obvious example of a role play. Right. Well, for example, then, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you get in an argument with him? Well, I think we have directed what our kids were going to do yeah. <laughs> when they got in those. Yeah. But um, well, we, we set them on the repenting. We, we bench. set it up. We set it up. <laughs> we said, okay, you two sit right there on those two chairs. You have an argument. The argument you had last night. Well, they might get the giggles or whatever because they're trying Re to pass recreate it. Recreate it. Yeah. Recreate that argument, and then we're going to say, now when that happens, this is what's going to happen. You two are going to go sit on what we eventually called the repenting bench. We started calling it the fighting bench, but then they just went there and fought. <laughs> but I mean, you can use two chairs. We formalized it with a, a bench that we bought when we were living in England, a little pew from a church um, that we're having a sale. And, and it's just big enough for two kids. And so they, go, they went and sat on that chair and they worked out their arguments. And what they did was they said, first of all, what they did wrong. And then they said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, to the other one. And then the other one, what did you do wrong? And then, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Then they could not leave until they gave each other a hug. And then they were on their way. And boy, that sounds easy, but it isn't. I mean, you have to train these kids over and over again. Nope, nope, that's not good enough. Nope, what did you really do? And then, but it clears the air. It makes it so nice. So this role playing is really important. And then with teenagers, it's different. Well, I mean, yeah, we want to get it. We want, I mean, again, I don't want to oversell this, but role playing is a teaching or case study method, if you want to call it that, is the most fabulous teaching method for kids of any age. Let's say you've got a, a you're trying to teach a child to be honest. Let's say it's a little kid, a four year old, and you can, you can just create such an, it's so easy to say, hey, let's do a little role play. What if you were at the store? and you bought some candy and the lady gave you 20, an extra quarter for your change, what would you do? Let's role play it twice. What would be, the, what would be one thing you could do and another thing? And, and little for you, don't forget kids have these imaginations. Well, I'd keep the quarter and I'd buy something with it. Okay, what else could you do? Well, I could give it back to the lady and say, sorry, you gave me too much change. Um, how would you feel if you used it to buy some more candy? Oh, I'd probably enjoy it. I'd like to eat the candy. But how would you feel afterward? What if that lady had to pay back that quarter? I mean, you, you can just let your... I challenge you to think of any single thing you're trying to teach a child right now and then think a little longer about it and see if you can create a little case study or a little role-playing thing. And kids love to do this. And you put them in a situation and ask them what they would do. And then, Linda, you mentioned as kids get older, as kids become teenagers or adolescents, this role-playing takes on big proportions because now it becomes something we call making decisions in advance. So you can say, you know, what are you going to do when you're at the party and someone says, try this little pill, it'll make you feel good. What are you actually going to say? Actually role play it. What are the words you're going to use? 
Yeah. Or what if you go into a movie and you realize, or with some friends, maybe a bunch of friends, and uh, you realize it's something that you shouldn't be really be watching. So what do you do? I mean, it's really hard to get up and if kids haven't role-played that, really they're to, not going to do they it. They haven't thought about but it. But if they've thought it through in advance, they, they actually will do it. It really is a powerful tool because it is internalized. It is their idea. This is what I'm going to do. Not This is what you must do. Take the money back or whatever. They have, they have figured out what they're going to do when that happens and, and they don't always follow through with it. There's no guarantee, but it They've really is. They've got a lot is, higher chance. Yeah, they have a lot higher chance of doing it. So we're almost out of time, but I want to tell you that this is a powerful subject, this business of joy. And we're going to come back next week, continue this series. We're going to talk about the joy of the earth, the joy of the body, the joy of our families, the joy of growing together in important ways in our families. So we'll... We hope you'll join us and have a joyful day. We'll see you next time on Irish on the Road. Bye-bye.